You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Astronauts podcast. I am your host, Daniel Harms. You can find me on Twitter at InHarmsWay19. I'm very excited because today I have a guest on that I've been trying to get shows for the last couple of years, and we finally we finally nailed him down. He works with fantasy pros and betting pros. This is Thor Nystrom, NFL draft and college football analyst. You can find him on Twitter at 4KU. How you doing, man? Good to be with you, brother. The last time we were hanging out, it was in Mobile, sit, sitting together in practice. You know, we were watching the practices. So good to see you again. Excited to talk about some of these prospects. Absolutely. That was a, it was a great time. We actually got to finally interact for the first time. Met more than a few of the people over at Fantasy Pros. They're great. You guys, you know, you don't follow them. You know, most of you know Derek Brown. He's been on the show a few times. Now we, we get Thor. So I'm, I'm really excited. This show is labeled Thor's Hammer for specific reasons. Not only because we have Thor in-house, but because we're talking about the weapons in this draft class. For all of you fantasy people, that's why it made the most sense like it just made sense to talk of the to, to label it this so running backs wide receivers this draft is a little bit of an enigma from a wide receiver perspective i think it's a really good running back class so uh, just off the top we're going to hit in the into the wide receivers um what's one thing about this wide receiver class that really sticks out to you in general well, your your point's well taken on that. It's not as, you know, if, if by enigma you mean it's not as good as the last three, four <laughs> years, you know I mean? Like, and sort of drops off the shelf because we had a yeah. couple like historically good receiver class recently. And, th- but, you know, so that, I mean, that goes without saying, but I, I think one thing of it is if you just lopped, you know, and this is sort of uh, damning by faint praise, I suppose, but if you just lop off the tier ones of the past couple of classes, then I think this class is comparable after mm-hmm. that, right? Like yeah. the the depth of it is solid. And, you know, starting mid to late round one, when I think the, you know, three of those guys at least could start going, but you just don't have one of the, the top 10 guys. But like, you know, th- this might be a class where I'd wait until day two or even early day three uh, to try to pick off a sleeper. But I, I'm not sure that I'd want to lead the dance with this wide receiver class. Yeah, I think more of my enigma is that you look at it and it's really full of yak and kind of slot gadget players. Like the, the depth of it is in these yak, really good athletic players that are good after the catch and, and from that regard. So I, I like it because I think the NFL needs an injection of that talent. You have these X receivers and, and these top guys, but role players are starting to become a huge thing in the NFL with the way defenses are playing these two high shells. You really need to start attacking over the middle of the field underneath getting yak, getting first downs for your offense. So while it is an enigma in that, in that sense, I also think it's full of talent that the NFL really does need. So that's for me, that's what sticks out about this class is that, yeah, you've got these sub 180 receivers and these sub 190 receivers, but they all fill roles that the NFL regularly needs and that they're going to continue to pump out. Like guys like Patrick Mahomes, they're trying to fill out an offense. They don't need a, quote-unquote true x receiver they need guys that can make plays because they're they're going to run the ball a little bit better than they have in the past but they need to move the chains consistently and they have travis kelsey so all about filling out your rosters and that's a really good draft to fill out your wide receiver course so how many different receivers could you see as the first ones that go off this board like just from top down how many different guys do you think could be the first one to go three I, I think I think it's a three horse race, they, and it's okay. interesting what the you know what the the sports book odds cause before JS before the combine JSN was mm-hmm. was an underdog. He was more like yeah. I think he was 
plus 200 or plus 250 to be the first receiver off the board. That's totally flipped now since since the combine. And then, you know, he ran better than expected at Ohio State's pro day. Not not with a great split, but the 40 mm-hmm. was okay. But now now Jay is minus, I think, 250 or 225. Obviously, he's he at this, you know, just by definition, he the favorite. Um, and then the, the other one where the odds have come way down him. I'm really happy I got tickets on this guy when he was plus 700. Yeah. I'm plus 800 is Zay Flowers. Mm-hmm. He has dropped down all the way now to plus 300 and is number two on that board. So he, he certainly is in it. And if JSN does not get picked before the Patriots pick, I think that's where you see the surprise of Zay Flowers being the first mm-hmm. one. The Patriots have been stiffing around real hard around Mr. <laughs> Zay Flowers. Uh, they, have not made it, they have not made it a secret they, that they like Zay Flowers. Um, and then the third one is Quentin Johnson because it only takes one. To, to me, Quentin Johnson, he's the one receiver in this class who has that sort of superstar upside. But there's the, the risk inherent to his profile for reasons that we can talk about. But uh, for that reason, he might fall down a little bit. But there's also people that are big time believers in him. I'm I'm one of them. Uh, like I have him wide receiver one. I don't have him as high on my overall board as as mm-hmm. as some do. But it only like I said, just takes one team in the NFL where the receiver coach banging the table saying I can teach this guy how to run the other routes. I uh, can teach him to attack the ball more in the air, which is something that comes and goes with 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 Johnson's ball skills. But it it's those three guys. There ain't going to be another receiver that's taking first. Yeah, I, I do think it's funny how. I think maybe two months ago, Jordan Addison was viewed as one of the guys that could possibly go go for go the first wide receiver off the board. Now we see that teams, you know, maybe it was because he didn't run as fast as people expected him to at the the combine, whatever it may be. He's kind of taken the back seat on that, and we're seeing this this wide receiver where we could see maybe like three or four guys crunch time around 15 and on just go like that's where this is you're not seeing a ton of uh, guys going in the top 10 you actually probably won't even see one drafted in the top 10 i think 12 if no one goes at 12 your your, your point of the uh the patriots taking somebody to actually give them some yak ability at the wide receiver position even though uh r.i.p kendrick Bourne is one of my favorite gadget and downfield weapons i love kendrick Bourne so much and i was so upset when they just they just like threw him to the side last year and i'm like this guy's good at football and you guys don't want to use him uh but it, it you know we'll see how bill o'brien back in the uh offensive coordinator's chair for new england handles that wide receiver room going forward you know juju schuster's there Devontae parker is there like you're talking about guys that they don't have that uh, zay flowers type so that makes a lot of sense and obviously tons of love for for zay flowers for the, the patriots I want to talk a little bit about Quentin Johnston because I know you said he's your wide receiver one. He's my two. I have JSN as the first, which I I don't have any issues with people putting Addison, Flowers, JSN, or Quentin Johnston as your wide receiver one. I think all of them have arguments to that. But talking about the inconsistencies in in his game, they show up, the athletic upside is, is, is all there. How many, how often, you know, I was going to say, how often do you see wide receivers that have trouble with the ball skills like he does? But I was literally just watching um, the TCU offensive line scouting their their left guard, Steve Avila, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) against Kansas. And there was this play thrown up to Quentin Johnston where the safety is coming underneath, but he doesn't go and get the football. So how do you think that's going to impact him in the NFL? 
Well, Johnson's weird in that the the ball skills it they come and they go. You know, th- there's some guys who are just like body catchers, and they always catch the ball with the same form. Let it, let, you know, they fight it off. It gets into their frame, and then they hug the thing. Johnston sometimes he does that, but other times you see him. It, it's textbook, especially when he goes downfield and when he's in the air. That's when you see him get up off the ground and fully extend for the ball. What, what I noticed about Johnson was a lot of the times where he's doing the body catching or letting the ball get too far into his frame, it was on the easy stuff, not the hard stuff. When when he doesn't have to think about it, you know, and, and it's just he lets the athleticism take over, the, the stuff, you know, running downfield and it, it's a bucket throw and he's between two defenders and he fully extends and will, and will snatch that thing. Or like I said, when he goes up in the air, that's when you see him with the, with the better form. When his feet are on the ground, though, and on the easy stuff, more of the layup type stuff, that's where you see him uh, you know, letting the ball come into his frame and then, you know, sort of catching it with his body, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also had the the elevated level of, you know, quote unquote, constant concentration drops. There's different yeah. ways to explain this to yourself. And depending on the way that you do it, that's going to depend on how you view Quentin Johnston. I have a theory about this that explains both of them. And I think an NFL receiver coach can fix that. Um, what I think it is, is that Johnston on the easy ones, when his feet are on the ground, you know, stuff like that, that's when he's thinking about his run after the catch. And he's very good after the catch. You know, he, he's sort of like, uh, you remember LaVisca Chanel coming out of, of Colorado. Oh, that yeah. was more manufactured touches to him. But Johnston runs in a similar way. The fearless thing going north-south where he builds up to that speed, builds up to that power, and he can run through arm tackles. And he's a fearless runner as well. But I, I think, you know, that's when, again, when I was watching on film, that was most of the times where he let that ball come in. And I think, again, I think he's thinking about the guy behind about behind him descending down. Should I go left? Should I go right? What should I do then? And all of a sudden, the ball's clanging off his chest plate to the ground. I think if you can teach, you know, if, if you could just, you don't even need to teach him. Just have a wide receiver coach sit down with the kid and say, look, man, you're going to be one of the 20 best receivers in the NFL at running after the catch. That is a given. You don't need to think about this when the ball's coming. You need to secure the ball first, and you have the wingspan of a six foot eight human being. So no one's going to get in between there if you just extend for the ball, attack that thing, bring it in. Then we move to the run after the catch. I think if you do that, you fix both the body catching thing and the concentration drops, and you don't give the DB a second chance to come from behind you and rake that thing. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with him. The fastball stuff you, you got, the downfield utility is awesome. That is going to play. Even if he never figures out the rest of it, it's another thing I disagree with people on. If he never figures out the rest of it, never you know gets the, the rest of the route tree, um, and I don't think he's going to run a full route tree at the NFL level either. But even if, if, if there's not nuance with that, he doesn't grow any with that. Just the downfield utility and then the manufactured touch is short and he can do the end around stuff as well. And then his thing in the intermediate area, it's just – streaking across the field when the, the defenders start playing back on him because they're sitting dead red on that heat. Just those little utilities, to me, he's going to be a solid wide receiver too, the, the field stretching guy. But the the other stuff, if you can figure that out, he is going to be a star in the NFL. It just is what it is. Yeah, I completely agree with you in that sense. You get it, It's to the teaching. And a lot of it has to do with his work ethic too. If he gets in the NFL, he works and works at it with that coach, he'll be fine. I have no issues with that. So we'll see You know, as it comes in and goes and how, how they develop that. I see his, um, his, tra- his plan of getting better, much like Christian Watson. You know, Christian Watson has a lot of that downfield, 
just kind of can't find the football sometimes. And when he does, he just doesn't know what to do with it. And you saw that even at, uh, at Green Bay with his, his inconsistency in that regard. So I think they're pretty similar players in terms of what they can be in the NFL. They can both be absolute studs. And I think you're still going to want to roster them, it, it, like in terms of high-value draft picks in your rookie league. So we're getting to our rookie drafts now. People are starting to do them now. I typically like to wait to see where landing spots is, but I understand if you just can't help yourself and you gotta you got to go. Uh, but I take it you would be targeting Quentin Johnston as your first receiver that you're, you're looking at, depending on your, your draft spot, like the 105 right now in super flex leagues. It's probably where you're thinking wide receiver, maybe a Jameer Gibbs, because you're going to probably have Bijan and then – quarterbacks go is that your thought process right now or do you have a different receiver that you think might early on and maybe even later in his career have more impact as a fantasy player i, I guess it would depend on the scoring system because if it's ppr then i want jsn yeah, right? yeah. like <laughs> yeah i mean jsn he might not have the touchdown numbers that that johnson does or, or the yardage depending on on you know what teams they end up going to but jsn for sure gonna have way more catches like because uh johnson his utility you know it's mostly the long ball right now but then again he can you you can manufacture this stuff for him short stealing some of that stuff but in terms of the reception like jsn next year you're gonna have more receptions than him and probably by a decent amount by double digits whatever but that's more just the usage of jsn you know it's the shorter stuff the efficiency stuff so it would depend on on the, on the scoring system with that but yeah those guys would be close and if you wanted to, to swing for the fences that's where you put qj above him um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, uh, flowers would still be my third, um, and Addison would still be my fourth, you know, if I was doing the fantasy rings to be pretty similar to my, my draft rankings, I guess. And then, uh, I don't know if we can even call him a sleeper anymore because people are finally starting to wake up, but Marvin <laughs> Mims, I put him damn near right behind, uh, Jordan Addison in terms of that. And I, I think Marvin Mims might even have more upside than Jordan Addison, um, Marvin Mims, uh, he's on the smaller side for sure, but proved to be a stud athlete. He has been doing this for a long time and succeeding at, at a high level. He's still the all-time leader in Texas uh, prep history in terms of receiving yardage. Then he goes to Oklahoma. It's true freshman year. He was awesome. Absolutely awesome. The last couple of years, it came down a little bit, his sophomore and junior year, but you have to bake in the context of the situation. 2021, Lincoln Riley had one foot out the door. Spencer Rattler went into the tank for more than half the season. And then all of a sudden they put the true freshman in Caleb Williams. And then he was trying to figure it out. So 2021 was kind of a lost season for that offense a little bit. So was 2022. Cause then Lincoln Riley's gone. Caleb Williams gone. They bring in Brent Venables, who was, he had a hard time figuring it out. Mr. Venables oh, yeah. for, for a while. And their offense was a mess, particularly when Dylan Gabriel got hurt. It just, the, the past couple of years was just not a great environment for him. Certainly not the environment he thought he was getting into when, when he signed with Oklahoma, but for a smaller receiver, he is an absolute killer downfield. Um, I, I I got some numbers for you. I, I comp him to Tyler Lockett for this reason because you just don't see many guys that are you know that small that can that, that are just absolute assassins down the field. So so Marvin Mims, all three years he was on campus, thirty six percent or more of his usage came on throws that were twenty plus yards downfield. And despite this, so he had a six, 16.7 uh, career A dot, just an enormous A dot. Despite that, despite most of his usage coming downfield at 5'11", 5, 5, 183, he dropped only seven balls on 177 career targets at Oklahoma. Watch that kid's highlight reel. He has the most impressive highlight reel in this class in terms of just circus stupid catches. Like, that's impossible. How did you do that? 
Um, the, the, the question with Mims is he was used in this very specific way by Oklahoma where, you know, get smaller receiver that that's, that's down the field a whole lot. And I think a part of the reason is because he is so gifted at that stuff. When, when he goes to the NFL, there's going to be more intermediate stuff that's baked in. He hadn't run as many of that stuff. So that, that is, you know, sort of an open-ended question, but the kid can move. You see that on the field. Agility is not a problem. And I think the one agility drill that he did, the test, it was 77th percentile or something. And he knows how to play the position. So it's not like I'm concerned about Marvin Mims learning, you know, how to how to run more of his routes in the intermediate area. I already know he could take the top off the defense and stuff like that. So Mims would be a sleeper for me. Both, I mean, both in the draft and in fantasy, you know. No, I, I understand that. I need more tape on Marvin Mims, to be completely honest with you. I don't have enough of my all 22 to actually get into what he's good at in terms of – because I, I watched last year, and I like you know I like his downfield ability. A lot of times I just saw him running wide open, so defenses weren't exactly keen to that to that point yet. So I'm still trying to figure that out from his perspective. But you know, he, he as we does, get... Daniel, I will say he's got – this is not a Jalen Hyatt thing. Uh, Mims has some of the nastiest contested catches – you know, going back to the highlight reel thing, one one of them last year, I think it was against Texas Tech, he caught a ball one-handed behind the defender. So, like, sticks his hand out, the ball's going past the defender, yeah. and he effing yeah. palms this ball. And it's like, how you know, before you're even like, how did you catch it? You're like, how did you even see the ball? Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, it's like, holy shit, how, how did you catch that? Um, and then the, the ridiculous catch against Texas – downfield where I, I don't I still don't know how he got his foot in bounds. Well, you know, but like there's you know he has a lot of that where whereas like that's the difference between him and Hyatt for me. Hyatt just got schemed open in these like he Hyatt only had like five good games his entire career. Yeah. It was Alabama running by DeMarco Hellams when they got him into the one on one stuff. Akron, UT Martin, um I think he got Kentucky and then Missouri. I, I think those yeah, were the five. Those are right. Outside, literally the only five good games in his entire career. Um, and again, most of it was just uh, motioning him around, getting him into the isolated matchup. Of course, Hennon Hooker only looks to one side of the field. And then, you know, he'd be, Hyatt would be running free then. So th- those guys are a little bit different for me for that reason. I have Mims yeah. way higher than Hyatt. Yeah, I've got a, like a low third round grade on Jalen Hyatt. Like, I don't have a very high grade on him because you don't know anything Same. about the guy. To be completely honest with you, you don't know anything. I, I Marvin Mims's ball skills are some of the best in the class. Period. Like they they are some of the best in this class. And from that perspective, deep threat speed, I got I got no questions. Uh, I just want to see more of the, the stuff when he's not getting targeted. I want to see all of that stuff. That's what I want to see. So that's the that's my only hold up. I don't have a grade finished yet because I don't have enough tape on him just yet. I don't I don't hate him at all. So I don't want anyone to think that you know I have. Like, I don't think he's going to be any good or anything like that. But I love the title locker call, by the way. I think that that makes perfect sense, maybe with even better ball skills, which is ridiculous because Tyler Lockett's got some incredible ball skills. Um, who are some of your favorite day two? Maybe we'll go into day three because we just kind of talked about Mims and Hyatt. So who are some of your favorite, like, day three receivers that you can see yourself reasonably excited even before they land on a, land, on, land on the team? Yeah, for sure, Um Puka Nakua would, would be on yeah. that, Puka, you know, a kid that we saw down in Mobile. He's super underrated. Um, and you can do different stuff with him that you can't do with most of these other receivers where he's already proved the concept that um, my my colleague Derek Brown ca- calls him discount Debo because BYU l- like to run him a whole bunch and do the gadget sort of stuff with him. You can do that with him. But he's also just a better receiver in a vacuum than people give him credit for. And I think it was because he would get injured sometimes and then 
he was playing with Jaron Hall, who I'm sorry, Jared Hall, super duper overrated. Uh, you know, didn't always see him, whatever, when he was on the field. But you'd notice Jaron Hall, his play would go way up when Puka Nakua was on the field, and it would go yeah. way down when he wasn't. And I'm here to tell you that that was not a coincidence. So Puka Nakua could do a bunch. He can play special teams as well. Uh, it looks like he's going to go on day three. I think that's a mistake by the NFL, but I understand it circumstantially with the injuries and stuff. Um, so he would be one. Uh, Michael Wilson, another kid that we've seen in Mobile, yeah, if, yeah. if he ends up dropping to round four, I don't think he should, but he, he's a really unique receiver, Michael Wilson. Um, almost 6'2, 216, had the 93rd percentile Raz. And, you know, th there's a couple interesting things about it. He, he was even way more injury prone than Puka Nakua these past couple of years. He was like on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. But when he was on the field for Stanford, he was always getting targeted and he would always produce. Yeah. And his special sauce on the field is, and Danny, I don't even, I, I don't know, you were down in Mobile, but I don't know if you know this stat. I'm going to toss a stat at you. In Mobile this past season at the Senior Bowl, there was only two players, regardless of position, where they were uh, top uh, 15 in max speed and top mm -hmm. five in max deceleration. Uh, well, you probably know where I'm going now because we're talking yeah, about I, I kinda, Michael, <laughs> we're talking about Michael Wilson. But, but the, the first one is that would be expected, Trey Palmer. Yeah. Okay, and, and again, regardless of position, not just the wide receivers, but the second one would shock most people just because of his, his build and stuff. That that's Michael Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you do see this manifest on tape because what Wilson's really good at, it's in and out of those route breaks. I mean, you you remember this, Daniel and Mobile yeah. a couple of times where like it he elicited like the ooh from yeah. the crowd because he would slam on the brakes and then cut like a clean corner. And all of a sudden, like the cornerback, he's trying to slam on the brakes with him, but he, it was like a car that's skidding along, you know, like, yeah. that, like you know, with, with hydroplaning or whatever. And he'd skid back. And all of a sudden, Michael Wilson would have like, you know, six yards of separation on the guy and just the easiest throw in the world for the quarterback. So he has that stuff. I like the body control. He knows what he's doing. He has solid hands. The only wonky thing, well, there's two wonky things about the profile is, can he stay healthy at the next level? He had a hard time doing that in college. Some athletes, they are always injury prone. Other ones, they 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 can get past that. Uh, an example from another sport, Steph Curry, when he went to the NBA, it was like, yeah. oh, this guy, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be degenerative, and he, you know, he's always gonna struggle to stay on the court. Well, those injury concerns went away after like his second year, and he's been one of the most durable players ever since then. There's a bunch of examples in the NFL of that as well, but there's even more examples of the guys that that just could never get on the field. So we'll, we'll yeah. have to see with him. The other wonky part of of Wilson on the negative side is. He has shorter arms than you would expect for yes. his frame. He, he he has the smaller wingspan. So that's one thing he's going to have to sort of work around. But he's extremely unique in like several mm -hmm. of these different things and his dimensions as well. But I, I, I like him, especially if you can get him on, you know, in round four or whatever. Yeah, he was really good. He was really good. Again, I hadn't even – he was on my radar before Mobile because of the injuries. And, you know, I get into the, the draft scene a little bit after the season. So getting to see him do that, I'm like – Okay, I got, I got to go back and watch this guy. And you have a couple of games. And it's like, yeah, all that shows up. It's not just a mobile where you see some of these guys come in. They've been practicing for it. They've been repping for it. And they, they're better there. Like Denzel Mims, for example, a couple of years ago, was much better in mobile than he was in creating separation at Baylor. Did not translate. So I am hope I, I like what I saw from, from Wilson from a translatable space standpoint. It all makes sense. There's one guy that not many people are talking about, almost anybody, Mitchell Tinsley out of Penn State, who were formerly mm -hmm. of Western Kentucky. Um, when I was watching Jarrett Stearns last year and 
Bailey Zappi, you know, people were like, these guys are going to be pretty good in the NFL. I'm like, no, this this guy that's with his teammates of Jared Stearns is a better receiver. He's bigger, he's faster, and he's stronger at the catch point. He's a much better yak player than I think most people expect. And when you look at Penn State's film, like he, they didn't use him a ton in space. They used him as this more vertical curl receiver, a little slant every now and then. But over back in his tape at Western Kentucky, there are some plays where you just go, how at your size – do you do that? You make this guy miss the reacceleration after he makes somebody miss was actually very good. You don't see that a lot from bigger from bigger receivers. Again, he ran a four or five at his pro day, which is good for him. A really good a good time for him. He's somebody that's going to go later day three again because he transferred from Western Kentucky to Pitt, uh, to a Penn State. Didn't have a ton of production at Penn State. I just don't necessarily believe in Sean Clifford and the offense that they run over there from a passing perspective. So he was throwing it around in Western Kentucky. He was really, really good. So he's somebody I have my eyes on for probably like a, a later fourth round, maybe, maybe even late third round pick in your rookie draft. Somebody I will have a lot of because not many people know about him and it's hard to scout players that uh, not a lot of people talk about on Twitter, which is the, how we, we find some of these diamonds in the rough. So Yeah, and um, I, I, I agree with the way that you set that up, that he was a little bit misused by Penn State. And, and you like that he, you know, tr- like I like the guys that transfer up to try to prove the concept their last year. I know some yeah. people are, are out on the college football free agency and the transferring. I love it. I love um, it. Because, it, yeah, it gives, it gives opportunities for kids like that to move up. But, the, you know, you're taking a risk, too. And in Tinsley's case, I agree with you. They weren't using him totally to what his skill set was, mostly, I think, because of the presence of Parker Washington. Yeah. I would want Tinsley in the slot. The thing he's awesome at is changing directions. Yeah, that's, the, so that's the reason, he's, you know, he's sending a guy one way, and then he can when he has the ball in his hands, then, then he can make people miss everything like that. Speed is not his special sauce, and he's not the biggest guy. So you can mm-hmm. start to see how he falls down the cracks a little bit. But his three cone was 6.7 flat. 95th percentile yeah <laughs> i mean and the, sh- and the shuttle was over the 70th percentile and you see that again he he is very very shifty i would want him in the slot but penn state they yeah. had parker washington who i do not like parker washington he reminds me so much of amari rogers i think i would have rather had tinsley in the slot and then sort of do it like that but they wanted to manufacture the touches for parker washington it, because he can't create separation but his ball skills are really, are really really good like he's got really good ball skills I would have still played him on the outside more. It does, I still would have done it. I, I know that he's not great at it, but I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I We already kind of mentioned Jalen Hyatt from an overrated perspective. Who's one other receiver really quickly that you think is a bit overrated in at least right now kind of how, on how most people are seeing him? Um, well, Butte, if people still got Butte high, I, I got him way down the board. <laughs> I don't know if anybody does anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally out on that guy. I mentioned Parker Washington. I have yeah, him yeah. way, way lower than other people do. Again, reminds me so much of Amari Rogers, the same thing. You have to manufacture touches for, for a slot receiver. I, I ain't doing that in the NFL. Um, other guys that I'm lower on, um, I'm just looking through my thing. Um, those would probably be the top yeah. three that I would toss out. Yeah, I've I've seen some people like Elijah Higgins. I don't understand that at all. Um, right, I'm looking at he's my sheet. <laughs> he's yeah, <a> tight end. <laughs> well, he's yeah, he he's definitely not a receiver. He is a tweener, you know. And, and we've yeah. seen him mobile. He just doesn't create any separation. So he's gonna have to be. I mean, he's gonna have to transition to H backer to tight end or something like that, and put on some weight. But man, you are making a leap of faith with that guy. Yeah. So so I got him way 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 down the list. I'm with you. I'm I'm interested about Rasheed Rice. Like I I like his athletic ability. I don't know if he played fully healthy last year at SMU. Also, SMU's offense is pretty much not very good for translating 
receivers over to the NFL, but from an athletic standpoint, he, he's he's fine. I see some people really high on him, but if you're looking at his film, it's not it's not good. It's not good film. Like he makes some incredible catches. Outside of that, it's pretty much an everyday kind of receiver. He doesn't create a ton of separation all the time. He has moments of yak ability, moments of being taken down in the open field by somebody who doesn't belong in the same conversation when he has this kind of athleticism. So I'm probably a little higher, a little lower on Rasheed Rice than I've seen consensus as of right now. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I have like of most of the receivers that I've fully graded, Parker Washington is my lowest graded receiver that I'm looking at right yeah. now. He's just, he's just not very good. So yeah, I don't understand the Parker Washington love. I've seen some people have him like, you know, the top 10 or whatever, like, he ain't even close to my top 10. I, in fact, I put out a, my top 20 uh, a couple of weeks ago for work when I did the wide receiver deep dive. He was not in the top 20. No. And spoiler alert, he's not within the first few. Like, you know, you know when they do the NCAA tournament, it's like, yeah. you know, for, first four out. A Parker Washington would not have made that list either. I'm, I'm just, I'm not a fan of his game. Uh, I totally get it. Now, let's just shift gears a little bit to the, to the running backs. Uh, we know. Bijan Robinson is just he he's getting the the tag generational huh? and we'll see if he's going to live up to that if he's worthy of that but would you as an NFL team draft Bijan Robinson in the first round yes but not in the top half of it I would okay. need to need a running back and think he could like legitimately push up my offense you know if we go out and get him and then for me it would be like if if I was a team like that and I'm in the like the 20s or you know the last couple picks of the first round that like for instance the Dallas Cowboys if Bijan yeah. Robinson falls to me yeah I'm I'm taking him in the first round but if Dallas was picking at number eight then yeah. I then no uh, no it, it's just it, the position's too devalued and uh, Bijan is awesome I I, mm -hmm. I love Bijan but it's not like he's like this most singular running back I've ever seen it's not like he's I'm ready to crown him into the Hall of Fame yet. Um, again, I really like him and he's at the top of my board. And last year I didn't rate a, a running back in the first round. I will have him rated as a, as a late first round pick in, in my thing. But I seen guys that have them um, like literally top five or even top three in the industry. And yeah. I just can't get there. Cause the way that I stack my board, it's like, if I was on the clock with my team, this is, you know, this is how I would draft them. And in that way, it, he, for me, he's a late first rounder in part because of the position. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And you know, I was talking to Matt Waldman the other day, and he asked me who are three the three players that are riskier than their buzz. And I tried I prefaced it with people need to stay with me on this. It, it, the number one answer I gave is Bijan Robinson because if he is not the top a top two running back in the NFL at any point in his career, the pick in the first round is automatically a bust. It doesn't matter because the value of the position tied to other premium positions can really set you behind. If you look at what the Chiefs did in drafting Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round, not even the same level of athlete, same player, not even remotely, it set them back in their run game. They, they, they drafted a seventh-round rookie last year, and he took his job. He took it. He did, even though Clyde got hurt. Like, it didn't matter. He was a better running back in the system that they were running. It, it's just such a re replaceable skill set you can find in literally the seventh round, UDFA kind of guys. James Robinson, UDFA, who came in and was really good for the Jaguars. If he is not the best, essentially the best running back in football, it, 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 that pick is gone. It's a bust. You've wasted valuable positions that you can put in tackle, wide receiver, defensive end, other premium positions that you need. So as much as I love, 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 love Bijan Robinson, he's fantastic. Everything he does, he's a wonder to watch. Yeah, I, I don't even think I would, even in the back half. 
because I would rather take a risk on a player who, if he busts, okay, it's because I was taking a risk on somebody who's a premium position. And then you take you take a running back later. So I, I love Bijan. It's so the running back position has gotten so de, de, devolved in the NFL to committees, essentially, that the, these guys that are really, really good are getting pegged down for it's not their fault. You know, Bichon's great, but it's, it's for me, it's hard. It's really hard for me to take him in the first round anywhere, even if I think he fits a need, um, unless they literally had no other needs at all. Like they were set everywhere else. So um, that's probably my only my only caveat to that. Do you think do you think that uh, Jameer Gibbs is a round one talent? For for me, no, uh, uh-uh. no. Um, I actually have Jameer Gibbs uh, as my third running back. Um, oh, that's I, interesting. Yeah, it's it's sort of a scandalous take because because <laughs> Gibbs around the industry is as locked into number two as yeah. as Bijan is number one. It's just I really like Zach Charbonnet from from UCLA. Um, I think Zach Charbonnet is a little bit underrated. Maybe it's because he played on the West Coast. I'm not really sure, but um, <laughs> Gibbs, I I like his game a lot. But you have to you have to be selective with the way that you use him because he ain't going to be able to handle the usage of those two other guys. Um, and and if you want to use him as a return man, and he's good at that, he's been good at that since the day he stepped onto campus at Georgia yeah. Tech. In fact, I believe his first touch ever was a seventy-yard punt return. Yeah, so like, like <laughs> yeah, like he very good. But like you know, if, if you have him return, you know, three kicks or punts per game, yeah, to me, you have to take that out of his usage mm-hmm. with the other one. Um, and, and you're not going to give you're not going to give him more than 20 touches per game unless you want to risk him, you know, getting hurt. He's just beneath the size threshold. Uh, Charbonnet, I, I just think he's really, really good. Uh, he's a thumper who moves better than most thumpers. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to square him up. And if you don't have him square, he's running through all the arm tackles. So that's why it takes multiple times to, to, or multiple guys to get him down sometimes. And then the other thing is, as a receiver, he's very underrated. Um, like that, you know, both in terms of securing the catch doesn't drop many and then running after the catch. He's not the same kind of receiver as like a, a Bijan or, um, you know, some of these guys that can, that can flex out. He ain't, he yeah. ain't going to do like Evan Hall. He ain't going to do that. But a, as far as like a, a safety blanket guy who's reliable and then you put the ball in his hands and then you get the same usage of, of him just, you know, going downfield with the power, everything like that. Um, he's really good at that kind of stuff. So I, I'm a big fan of Charbonnet, and he's going to be able to handle usage right away. Whoever drafts him in round two, he ain't getting to round three. Whoever drafts him no. in round two, he's going to be the day one bell cow for that team. Yeah, I don't – I was I – really, one of the, the takes I had going into the combine was that I think that there's a reasonable assumption that if Zach Charbonnet runs really well and tests really well, he's the RB2. I think that that's – because what he does between the tackles, I think he's – I personally think his vision is underrated. I think he's a multifaceted yeah. back who can run in gap and can run, run in zone. I think that's that's hard to find for a guy his size. 6'1", yes. 220 pounds. Like, it's just, it's not – yeah, he lost a little bit of weight for the combine. He's probably going to play around 220. That's probably where he's going he's gonna to play. And when you talk about bruisers, you don't see them having the short area skills. He's not, like, going to blow you away in short area. But like you said, it – it's it's not what it should be. He's a much quicker, and he he understands angles. He moves his shoulders out of the way. He dips his shoulders really well, and he dips his hips really well too. So everything that he's able to do from a running perspective with his vision and through contact, after contact, they're all really good. I'm much higher on Gibbs myself. I I see Jamal Charles when I watch mm. Jameer Gibbs. I I see a lot of what he did, angular running with the way that his feet. And his his knees, his hips all move. We'll see about the the. I, I do have hesitations about the 
injuries as well, because as we all know, Jamal Charles probably would have been one of the best running backs to ever live had injuries not just destroyed his career. It just did. I still think he I still think he is personally, but that's just because I'm probably a jaded Chiefs fan. Um, but we'll, that, 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 that'll be yet to be seen about Gibbs. I don't believe he's around one talent either, uh, but second round, he'll be gone. Charbonnet, very underrated. And as a pass catcher, I think that he's probably the safest check down player in the draft. He yeah, doesn't, might be. he doesn't, yeah. doesn't drop anything. And you know, at the very least, you're going to get maybe five yards out of the catch. He just falls yeah. forward all the time. He breaks the first guy's tackle. And in space, he's like, he's so hard to bring down because you don't want him, him to square you up either. As a defender, you don't want him yeah. to do that because he'll hit you and he'll hurt you. And he'll you're run, run over. over. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's hard for defenders to feel like that. I love, I love Charbonnet too. He's firmly my three. Like th- those two guys, I-, I really could have seen it going either way in terms of the testing. I wanted him to run a little bit faster my- myself, but again, I don't care. He's not going to – today's NFL is so different with running backs and how they break big runs anymore because there's so many more defensive backs out, out there. They're deeper. They're- it just doesn't happen as much. So I think the value that Charbonnet brings to an offense is meeting to to an extent what Jameer Gibbs is really really good at and breakaway ta- breakaway runs and scoring touchdowns because he's just so valuable in that 10 to 15 to even 20 yard atmosphere so I- I'm totally there with you on that aspect and I think both are going to be taken in the second round I think yeah. they'll be s- s- uh, snatched up pretty quickly because they-, they are going to be very impactful day one guys that come in and make a difference to your backfield um so with all of that being said committee backfields are really starting to be the NFL future. We're seeing even three, you're looking Philadelphia. If you count the quarterback, four running backs, you know, the four guys that handle the football are being rotated in and out just about every, every other game. Um, who are a couple day two backs that you could see with the most valuable touch upside. So the guys that are leaders of the committee per se, but still have the, uh, will still garner like that close to 50% of the touches that can be the guys that lead committees in the NFL. Um, Tajay Spears, I, I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah, I mean, and, but like the, the, the risk with his profile, it's, it's that we haven't seen the third down stuff as much. I loved when he went down to Mobile, he was good as a receiver. Yes. He was shaking people. Yeah. He wasn't dropping anything, which was like, Oh, we, yeah. we, we might have something here. Cause <laughs> at, at Tulane. And I think a part of this was they wanted to protect him because he was, you know, he's, he's had the couple knee things and that too, you know, your medical team's going to have to check off with and be cool with, but Tajay Spears came back from those injuries and went absolutely ballistic last year. And by the way, it was down the stretch where it just like got better, 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 better. That kid, like if they would have played 10 more games, he would have been dropping 250 on people every single game. You know, like the USC game at the end was, you know, he went ballistic. <laughs> yeah. He had gone ballistic again in the, the AAC title game. He yep. come you know, against UCF a couple of different times, but maybe he can catch the ball a little bit better. But, but even in the NFL, like initially I would want him with, a, a, you know, you Tajay gets the early down stuff, sort of like Pacheco, you know, you could kind of use yeah, him yeah. like Pacheco initially and then have a different guy come in for the receiving stuff just as to, to have Tajay work on that as rookie year. But plus you could save some of that usage and hopefully get him through the entire rookie year, you know, with, with, with stuff like that, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's injury prone or whatever, but like yeah. w- w- with the knee thing, I think that's why Tulane just tried to limit his touches just a little yeah. bit more. And you, you, you probably have the better receiving back on, on the roster. Roshan Johnson would be the other one that I would say, obviously he was the platoon back for Bijan yeah. uh, at, at the last level. 
um, this level, he might he's still a platoon back, but this time he might be a one A to and then have <laughs> the one B. Um, and there's a couple of teams that, that he would fit really well with. One that uh, uh, people aren't talking about yet, but I I think would be really good is with the Bills if they don't get a different guy. Yeah, because you, yeah. you have James Cook, who's more your air back, your your really good receiver. And then you would have Roshan for the between the tackles, meat and Absolutely. potato stuff down at the goal line. And then Roshan, he's not uh, super accomplished as a receiver in part because that you'd want Bijan to do that. <laughs> that that's what Texas did. But Roshan's one of the best uh, pass blocking uh, runners in this class. And uh, that was a Freudian slip by me to say run blocking because most yeah. of these backs, we've <laughs> never seen them run block. We seen Roshan uh, oh, run yeah. block because Texas a would lot. have both of them in the backfield and they do that. So with Roshan, you can do a whole bunch of different things. Also, Roshan's one of the best running backs in this class on special teams. You pick mm-hmm. Roshan Johnson, he you can just start plugging the holes on your different special teams units, yep. you know, like because he he basically plays every single one of them and he's super enthusiastic about that. But that's how you can get him on the field more and some hidden value that you know draft Twitter usually doesn't talk about stuff like that, but that has actual value in the NFL. So he he would be another one that I would toss up, but maybe for fantasy players, not not a PPR guy, Roshan Johnson. Yeah, I like I like that. Roshan is a like I've heard I heard him likened to Chris Carson. I love that. I think that's mm, exactly yeah. who he could be in the NFL. Yeah. A guy who's just gonna absolutely destroy you in every way, shape, or form that he can. Um, and if he stays healthy, he'll just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Um, I like Tajay Spears is my RB four, and he's same. Yeah, I same. think I, th- I think the best landing spot might be for, for him to not just do the the committee stuff, but to be the guy in Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon. We know the Smash JP run's not there anymore. If they have nobody there, I think that he slides in, not only can take over for, for Joe Mixon, but he can they could probably draft two running backs in this in this, give him some somebody that can take the role, the reins off him a little bit, like some of the bigger guys later in the draft, like Chris Rodriguez, some of the bigger dudes that, that can do that a little bit for you that no, you don't necessarily have to to do he doesn't have to handle the entire load but i like maybe zach evans is someone who could also maybe be a 1a in the nfl if he gets to that point it's it's hard to see where he's gonna end up he had some inconsistencies between the tackles but outside i really loved what he was able to do he's not going to catch the ball for you because he doesn't know how he just doesn't know <laughs> he just drops everything it's like That's he's right. uh i don't really know what's going on there but he didn't he didn't do bad in pass protection he had some technical problems i think you can fix but he had the will to want to do it, which is the biggest problem. Another reason why I think Tajay Spears can do it in the NFL. He wants to do it, and he wanted to get better at Mobile. That was one of the things that I really liked about yeah. watching him in pass protection is that he didn't do it well, but two two times later, he was better. He was better, and he was better. That That's all that matters to me. If you can get better in the coaching, you can get better in the NFL. So I, I love those calls. Um, the, last, the last question that I want to ask you before we get out of here, Oh, it's kind of like a, a one-two. Uh, day three prospect at running back that you think is going to surprise everybody. And I'm going to say not named Evan Hall because I know ah. you. And <laughs> Brown, Come on. I've been on Evan yeah, Hall you, forever. You, you, yeah, you, you heard it, uh, us enough guys fawning over Evan Hall and Mobile. He's You're great. like, no more. I, I, no more Evan Hall talk. <laughs> yeah, we, we we love Evan Hall. Okay. But, well, I won't do Evan Hall. Um, On day three, let's see. Um, Are we assuming that Tank Bigsby will be day two? Or would no, he count? No, I think he might be day three. Okay, yeah. I mean, then I pro- if 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 Bigsby qualifies for this, then I'd put yep. Bigsby. Bigsby is he's another one of them guys that was in a really tough situation the last couple yep. of years. Like Auburn, first of all, they didn't have a quarterback that could throw last year. Robbie Ashford, all I can do is yeah. scramble around. Didn't have much other skill talent, and then their offensive line stunk. 
Like, I, I think in my advanced rankings, they were like 87th or 88th in terms of the whole FBS or whatever. Wasn't good at all. And and so a lot of times it was the thing where there was guys crashing down, enemies at the gate right after he got the <laughs> yeah. ball. And so some of the reps, you didn't get to see stuff, but you got to see his his vision. Uh, he, he, he got very good at, at ascertaining when the guys were starting to crash down and then getting flat, getting lateral and, and trying to go around. But the, the meat and potato stuff uh, between the tackles, as long yeah. as there's even a modicum of blocking for him, which again, <laughs> on, on several plays per game, there was not. But on, on those plays... You, that's where you see it. You know, he's got the one cut thing. He has the vision. He also has the patience when, when it's yeah. blocked. Sometimes, again, some plays he wasn't afforded the opportunity to employ his patience, but on the ones that he did, you, you got to see that as well. I, I really like him between the tackles. You, but you were talking, I mean, the, the bugaboo with him, I, I believe in him as a between the tackle runner and a guy who's got a little bit more juice, I think, than, I agree. than people credit for in terms of getting lateral, getting around there. But the, the one thing you have to say, it, it's sort of the thing you were talking about with Zach Evans. Tank Bigsy stinks as a receiver. He, yeah. he he is really bad. Uh, his career A dot was in the negatives, yeah. and yet he still had this enormous drop rate. So Bigsby is another one of those guys who is perfect as the platoon guy. Mm-hmm. If Buffalo would be good if it's you know they have yeah. the fourth round pick, whatever, because he would be a great fit with James Cook. And there's a couple other teams, you know, where but you have to have the guy who's the good receiving back because Tank Bigsby he, he ain't gonna do that. One the last thing I'll say about Tank Bigsby is. Prior to his career, he also stunk in pass pro. But I've seen some people that are still saying he stinks in pass pro without putting in the context that he got way better at that last year. Yeah, he did. He his did. first couple of years, he didn't know what he was doing. It's like, where do, like, what am I supposed to yeah. be looking for something? And then all of a sudden, the quarterback gets cracked or whatever. But last year, he, he had improved both at you know, ascertaining who's coming through then stepping up uh, and then having his, his feet under him and then going and hitting somebody. So he did way better with that last year. And if, if, if the growth that we've seen in that area of his game continues, he's going to be a very good uh, pass blocker in the NFL. It's just you're never going to get the receiving stuff with him. Absolutely. I love that call. He's a big fan. I'm a big fan of Tank. I always have been. Uh, but I'll just throw one more name for that, Kenny McIntosh. I think he's faster than his mm. combine tape uh, i think he can also do everything read read between the tackles he can get to the outside multiple times he did that at georgia he's a great pass catcher so i i don't believe the combine time if i'm being honest i'm watching him again i'm just like he's faster than this he is faster than this i swear he is so i think kenny might surprise some people on, on day three he's one of those um, like gliders where it's like he doesn't yeah. look like yeah but like he he's he gets down the field way quicker than you would think um he's super smooth and and, and like yeah. that smooth operator guy yeah he, he just I think he operates a little bit faster than most people like he just makes his, his decisions and he's like yeah I'm going this way but he does have some patience to him as well uh, do you have a favorite prospect really quick that you watched for these two wide receiver or running back just one really quickly your favorite one that just uh, like maybe not the best guy but just my favorite well 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 t- t- I'd say Tajay Spears just in terms of watching yeah, I get the day, it. but uh I I Evan Hall would be the other one just in terms of like down <laughs> but I know I'm not supposed to mention him and oh, then you're I, fine. that's fine <laughs> okay that's good and then um with receiver I would probably say Marvin Mims uh yeah. with with a with a special shout out to Tank Dell as well Tank Dell oh, is just one of he's one of the funnest receivers you'll ever see well, I I hope and pray 
that he, you know, despite being the outlier with how yeah. small he is at 163 pounds, what he weighed in at, that he succeeds at the next level. But we had never seen a guy be able to cover him one-on-one -on -one in space. He's shaking nope. everybody. He did it in Mobile. He did it in his entire career. He put people in body bags that are stars in the NFL right now. He dominated Cincinnati, the playoff Cincinnati yep. team, where they had three or four NFL guys in the secondary. Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner were the two outside corners. Um, but he also played four different Power Five teams that were bowl teams over the last couple of years, and he put all them in body bags too. So at least if that says anything to you about proving the concept, plus a guy that can win at all four levels, uh, I've <laughs> seen him comp to Tutu Atwell. That is not correct. At Louisville, no. Tutu Atwell, he only did two things. He either threw him the funnel screens right away, and then he would create afterwards, or else he ran the streaks out of the slot or whatever, but he didn't do anything in the intermediate area. He, his routes, he didn't run routes. It was like, yeah, I'm catching it right away. Or I'm just trying to run past you. Yeah. Uh, whereas Tank Dell absolutely does and creates separation. Like you and I breathe air. He, I gasped multiple times watching his tape, not just in mobile. At, I'm, I'm just watching his tape and I'm like, <gasps> because he, he literally does that. So I, I love, I love that call. Jaden Reed's another one. One of my favorite players to watch just in this entire, entire, cycle and deuce fawn deuce fawn at running back he's so fun to oh watch. he's fun. Just, yeah he's so much fun i just yeah. i like i'm like this dude is just fun just get him in the nfl he'll figure it out i think he's a really good decision maker so just figure it out nfl you guys can make it work with a guy who's smaller who's still almost 180 he's almost 180 he can figure it out Hope oh so. man he's this fun. is a lot of fun this is a lot of fun thank you so much for coming on the uh the podcast let everyone know again where they can find you what you're working on next you can find me on Twitter at ThorKU, and you can find my work on Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. On Fantasy Pros, we have a, a free draft guide that's out right now where it has all the scouting reports that, that I do, all the mock draft, and, and, and the rest of our analysts. It, it, the whole thing's just packed, sleepers, busts, like the whole thing, doing the deep dives and whatnot. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be adding to that my 500-player big board that I do every Woo! year with 500-player comps. So that's always really fun to put up. <laughs> Let's go, man. Looking forward to that so much. Thank you guys for tuning in again to the Fantasy Football Astronauts podcast. My name, Daniel Harms. You can find me on Twitter at InHarmsWay19, and we are blasting off again. We'll see you guys next time.